And welcome to Deus Life, an aspirational podcast. I am Patrick, and here with me, as always, is... Hayden. And today we have a very special guest. Hayden. Yeah, we Hayden, do. We do. Take it away. One of my good friends, uh, longtime friends. Uh, we go back to age 12, I would say, is when we first met each other. And uh, it's been a wonderful, wild ride uh, watching each of our lives grow up and sort of pass in and out of, uh, of, of life. And uh, we fell out of touch a little bit after middle school, but I am uh, very honored and proud to uh, welcome my very dear friend, one Rob Masser, to the podcast. Thanks, man. It's good to be here, Pat. Yeah. Great to meet you, Hayden. I the same goes to you, man. It's been like this is one of that's one of the most fun things in life for me is to one just see other people and how they go through life and what their journey is, but someone that you're close to and like get to touch it and be a part of it. I mean, dude, I remember when you had five to ten different pictures of Challenger and what the logo was going to be, and I remember <laughs> looking at all those specs, and I remember going through, I'm like, oh. <laughs> this color blue that color yeah, blue. Like, that blue looks nice and like that kind of looks like a dollop like why don't you but it's just cool to see that and be a part of that and i think that's a huge way f- that i learn is through mm. other people's experiences and so that's what i try to do in my life and my practice but it's like i mean being able to be there you're a maniac <laughs> so oh. just anyone that knows hayden wheatley knows that he is a maniac and i've never seen someone work so hard and it that's uh it rubs off. Well, I pre- and I like that. I, yeah. pre- I appreciate yeah. that. You mentioned uh, your practice. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your background, and uh, hopefully the end of this story is what you're doing right now, who you who you help, and uh, mm-hmm. and what sort of drives and motivates and you. And sprinkle in some more Hayden compliments. Yeah, yeah. Let's he, keep these to a minimum, he, guys. He needs some guy. His, guys, his hair looks great, though. <laughs> Let me tell you it's that much. too long. <laughs> Good thing I have a very reliable hairstyling product. Good thing you have hair. It's you know, po- I mean, uh, okay. I wasn't, you know. Robbie, in general, in general. Speaking of, yeah. Little plug for Challenger Hair Care. Um, oh no, I don't even know the name right now. The Keep Hair Keep. Hair Keep. Shampoo. Hair there keep you shampoo. Go. Good yeah. stuff. Anyways, uh, yeah. So my name is Robbie Master. I grew up in Los Angeles. Professionally, I go by Rob Master. Um, I went to high school in Santa Barbara. Uh, college in Virginia. Went to play baseball. Played Division One baseball for four years. Loved baseball. Always been an athlete growing up. Um, so I was like, I want to stay in baseball. This is what I know. It's cool. So I think like a lot of people coming out of college, I had a luxury, had nice background, great parents, good family. So it's kind of like I wasn't pressed to immediately make money and pay bills. It was kind of like, well, what do you, they, my parents always told me, do you have a passion, have a passion and pursue that. That's just a lovely gift to have. And so where I took that passion after college was I'm going to keep with baseball, man. I'm, I'm good at it. Um, I wasn't good enough to get drafted had some injuries. So I was like, I want to stay in it though. I like it. I like the people, I like the camaraderie. Um, so I stayed in baseball. Um, man, my early twenties at everything from, I was a tutor at the MLB urban youth Academy in Compton. Um, I coached the high my high school team. Then I became a coach and GM of a semi-pro team in Santa Barbara, the Foresters. You were the general manager of a semi-pro baseball. Nice. Yeah, I was going to ask what they were called. Dude, <laughs> that was that was fun, man. That was I played for the team my junior year. It's I mean the coach of it is a freaking legend in baseball. Over 100 wins, summer league wins. It's like the Cape Cod on the West Coast. It was just I mean I don't know what that means. The Cape Cod on I the mean, West Coast. Let's put if you're a college baseball player and during the summers you're playing with wood bat, wood balls. Um, which is, it's different, it's way different than college. Metal bat, different yeah. kinds of balls, scouts are around. Um, so it's ba- it's a development league. It's the it's the closest, de- closest development league to being a professional baseball player. 
Cool. It's like no money, but a ton of pressure. Exactly. Right? Okay. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Yeah. And so I was like, dude, I want I played on this team. It was fun. Like we went to Vegas. We played against like a Bryce Harper team. And like our coach nice. said, we, we, our bus broke down on the way to Vegas from Santa Barbara. So we were going uphill. It was either you can have AC or you can go uphill <laughs> and we need to go uphill to get there. So it was no AC. And then we get to the hotel on Thursday night and the coach says, if you guys sweep, um, we won't leave until Monday at noon. Well, we swept. You bet your ass. We bet your ass. We swept them. And then on Monday, we get on the bus. We're in the same thing. We went out at night before. And so that's kind of the aura of the thing. And I just love that. It's it's good baseball. It's good people. Yeah. So I became the GM of that. Hired 16 interns, game day stuff, sales. I mean, knocking on the door of NutraShop, being like, hey, you guys want to put a, put a poster up at the field? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... I kind of got that was like my first taste of business entrepreneurial lifestyle and just like hoofing it cold calls. I mean, that's a part of it. Pound and pavement. Yeah, yeah man, you got to do it. And it was fun. Everybody should have a sales job like that at some it's, point. It's, yeah. I agree. it's, it's so valuable. Yeah. I was like cold calling. It's terrifying. Dude. I remember doing investor relations when I first got oh out of college God. and cold calling a hundred people a day. And it's like, yeah. man, you learn a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you dude. learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about thinking on the fly. I, oh, uh, yeah. I, I had a door to door sales job when I was in college too. And having to, I mean, when, b- b- between the time when you walk in the door and you're 30 seconds into the, into the uh-huh. conversation with the decision maker, you've already pretty much thrown your playbook out the door because you have new information that's helping you inform. I mean, it has to be coming from a place of, I want to help this person's business. And so then it becomes, then it becomes a matter of reframing and repackaging what your offering is in a way that you can then successfully communicate it to them. And you also understand what ways it ways to communicate. If English is a first language, it might be easier to communicate. You might be able to highlight some of the more sophisticated benefits, but if you got to keep it really simple, then you got to change, you got to change your, your vocabulary, vocabulary. You got to change everything. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing that I think I learned now looking back on it, and this is something that a lot of mentors have also is you got to understand people's uh, motivations and incentives. And so fast forward to now. So Actually, let me put a pause. I'll go back. I'll, we'll hold off on the, what I'm going to say about the sentence. But anyway, so I was the GM of this team, built the team, had a summer league. I was like, all right, I want to go to law school. I want to I want to be the GM of the Dodgers. That would be sweet. Yeah. Comes to find out the Dodgers, Yankees, who I later worked for, they're giant corporations aimed at making money. And so it's a corporate ladder in its own right. And I w- I'm just not, I guess, that kind of person. I really like kind of being a pirate a little bit and like being out on my own and um helping other people with their journey, but like, I want to be on my own journey. And so I went to law school so I could get this feather in my cap, um, as a sports guy basically and become, you know, Theo Epstein, something like that. And who is Theo Epstein? For he the is the youngest GM of the Cubs. He was, I think he became the youngest hmm. GM when he was like 30. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's pretty silly. So I'm 30, right? I'm going to be 30 wow. in, in a, uh, this a month from now, which is crazy. So like my goal, everyone has a goal. Like in 30 is a, one of those comfortable ages to set it at was like, I'm going to be the GM of an MLB team by the time I'm 30. <laughs> so dude, I'm 22. I think you need to aim higher. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I'm 22 and I'm like oh, 23. I'm going to law school. I'm scouting for the Cubs. I'm scouting for the Yankees, all Southern California, um, working for an agency, negotiating deals between the Marlins and our player and blah, 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 doing Nike deals. I'm like, this is sweet. I didn't sleep more than four hours a night. I changed in my car because I would wake up, I'd go to law school. Then I would change in my car to go scout because most scouts are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Those are old, grizzled baseball dudes. Mm. My car costs more than they make in a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm changing my clothes, right? I'm a chameleon. 
And then I'm going that night, I'm going to work at uh, the uh, agency, sports agency. Mm-hmm. So then I got put on different clothes in Beverly Hills. So I'm putting on all these different clothes. I'm eating meals in my car. I'm like, this is kind of crazy, but I guess I love it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? I guess I love this. I'm supposed I think, to love I think this. I you love were this, able right? to maintain on on that terrible of sleep? Oh, dude. It was crazy. I mean, I, was I little... mean, it was a time in your life, right? When you're all, when there's a certain like young 20s, yeah. right? That's that's yeah. when you can get away with cheating yourself out of sleep. Yeah. yeah. And should, like, you that, know, w- that switch should flip pretty soon though. I, I self-medicated it. a good amount and you know, it, it happens, but I think, uh, you know, then all of a sudden I finish law school and you start to hit the, okay, I'm done with school forever. Yeah. Now I got to figure something. I got to pay my bills. What's my forever, forever. Yeah. yeah. And I got to pay my bills. And I'm like, well, I've spent so much time on this baseball thing and like building a brand, my life, my name within the game. And like, you know, so let's do it. The Yankees offered me a full-time job. I'll never forget where I am. They fly me to Phoenix first class to interview me in a hotel room. With the assistant GM and the scouting director, these I, the main question I got from that that I asked them, we talked for an hour and a half. Um, how many nights a year do you guys spend on the road? Oh, oh you know, these guys are in their forties, fifties. They have family. Oh, at least 200, 250 usually. <laughs> I was like, oh Hell man, no. I'm sorry. I, no man, I mean like I so want to have I mean, a family. I want six months. That's, out of, that's over half down. a year. That's over yeah. half. Yeah, and the other thing being like, even these dudes that are front office guys, so let's call for the Dodgers. The guy now, Andrew Friedman. He came from Tampa. He was there for a while. He's only got like a three-year deal with the Dodgers. So what are you going to move your family? Then you're going to move to Toronto. Then you're going to move to New York. Then you're going to move. I'm like, I don't want that. And then all along the way, I remember uh, when I was in when I was in university, there was uh, some people that worked in the front office for the Dodgers came uh-huh. in and gave a, just talked about what life was like. And uh, and it was interesting because even then I could sort of read between the lines of what they were saying. Yeah. They were talking about, A, love it, love it, love it, which is great. Like, if you get to go, if you love baseball and you get to go work there every day, it's amazing. But at the same time, they went out of their way to mention that it's 16-hour days and it puts strain on their personal relationships. And one of them was talking about how their girlfriend was having trouble managing the fact that, I don't know, eight months of the year, they were gone. I mean, dude, when I was was scouting, uh, I was with the Cubs for one year, my first year of law school, then the Yankees, my last two. Um... I mean, there were most weekends, because um, that's when baseball, amateur baseball. So I was an amateur scout. So I was looking for talent for the draft in June. Mm-hmm. Um, so those high school kids, college kids, not professional players. There are professional scouts. That's another world. Um, dude, my Saturdays and Sundays, I was driving down to Santa Margarita, San Diego, yeah. like San Luis Obispo, Bakersfield. I would get up at six. I'd drive for two and a half, three hours. I'd sit in a stadium and I'd rate players. I'd evaluate talent for eight hours. And then I'd talk to parents and I'd drive home, write, write reports, and that was my Saturday. <laughs> and I was like, man, I don't think I want to do this. Like, this yeah. is cool. And like, it's, it, it's very insular. It's like your whole life is baseball, right? It is, yeah. it is. And like, I think those industries, you know, it's not exclusive to baseball, but I think it's entertainment, it's music, it's any industry where there's like a sex appeal. Yeah. Um, the people that are sitting at the boardroom table... They know how to. They know how to take yeah. advantage of the of the workers because it behooves them. That's what their business is. People want will do anything just to live in that world, right? They yeah. love it. Yeah. Well, yeah. they can tell their friends. I mean, that's what I did. I felt cool about. I mean, it. Yeah. being able to name drop. I'm a scout for the Yankees. Oh, must yeah. have been pretty fucking. cool, It was cool. Right? It felt cool. It definitely felt cool. I mean, particularly my world was baseball for so long. Well, college mostly because you know, I mean, Division one sports like you're not getting the same education. I hate to break it to you. Yeah, yeah. What? Like, you mean they're not student athletes? Yeah, like I went to the University of Richmond. Very good school. Liberal arts school. Great education. The education I got, 
it ain't the same as what are the differences? The, the you know yeah. the women living down the corner. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no way. Yeah. So what are, what are the differences that you saw? I mean, I, it, it has to be at its core prioritizing training and practice yeah. over classroom and schoolwork. For sure, that's basically it. I mean, you know, like the the school my school wasn't making much money off of us, so like they weren't pushing us that hard. But the person that was making money off of us is the coach. And because his his livelihood, his, his livelihood, job is his, wins, his wins and losses. He had two kids, man, and his and his wife was sick. I think she had MS, and so like you know, they we were very aware of his life and like how much he how hard he'd worked to get there. His kids, he was feeding his kids off of our backs, basically, and the amount of wins that we got him, and you feel that, and you feel that tension, yeah. And so it was interesting. But uh, so anyways, I, I'm, I'm like, all right, this is crazy existential moment. I just turned the Yankees down for a full time job, <laughs> like to be to which be, you'd been working for your well, whole life. That was yeah. it. That was like yeah. that was my next lily. So, so was it the one? So was it there? Was it when they said 200 nights a year? That was a on huge the, we're, we're on the road. Was it so what? So was that the ultimate? Was that the ultimate, I guess, straw that broke it? Or was that what was the final, final <sighs> thing that helped you really solidify and be sure and certain that, hey, this isn't quite the right life for me? I don't know if I can point to an exact moment, but I'll, I'm, I mean, you are part of it for sure. Sick. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding, man. I mean like, because like, so what I realized that I learned through scouting, through becoming a, becoming a lawyer, going to law school, working for a sports agency, representing talent, being the GM of this baseball team and managing 16 interns was like, I like people. I like helping people and I have tools to help people. And so then I was like, all right, so then who are the people I want to help? Um, and I was like, man, I, baseball players are good dudes. Most of them and like <laughs> not a lot of education at the higher levels, but mm-hmm. that's fine. They're good dudes. Like mm-hmm. they're just trying to pursue their passion. Um, but I was like, you know, I want to have an impact on people. So I see Hayden starting businesses. I see other friends starting businesses. I see musicians. I see artists. I see entrepreneurs. And I'm like, you know what? I have skills to help these people. Um, and I like doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I mean, I spent, I spent a lot of hours of my life evaluating talent. Um, most of it physical, but a lot of performance at the highest level is mental. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the difference between a guy that at the highest level of any sport or a woman, it's mental. Serena Williams, she's got I'm, she's got amazing physical gifts. Yeah, but her yeah. her mental skills are just out of this world. It's true. LeBron is the one that emphasizes yeah. that for me because if you, I, I love watching his Instagram stories and seeing how hard he works out because mm-hmm. it's like okay you can give somebody all the physical gifts in the world. They're not going to make it to the highest level unless they also have this other gift, which is this insane worth ethic. Insane, (laughs) insane. And like, and curiosity. Yeah. I mean like the amount of time, like James Harrison spends like half a million dollars. I checked that. It's something, it's a ridiculous amount of money just to take care of his body. LeBron is a million. LeBron spends about a million dollars a year. I mean, that's just like between trainers, between equipment, between recovery programs. I mean, and and you bet, you bet your ass. He knows what he's doing too. It's not like he's just like, Hey Hayden, I'll spend the money. Do it on me. He's studying that stuff. Like he knows how his body works. He knows the difference between soft tissue, bones, ligament structure. He knows that stuff. He just doesn't need to tell everyone, but he studies that stuff. And sports is this weird world where it's the closest you ever get to a meritocracy. Like, yeah, uh, totally. It's it's not like totally. the business world or other worlds where a lot of the work is figuring out what work to do, like yeah. figuring out what to do. It's, it's like, a great call. I want to start a business. Okay, like what do I do? Like that's the hard <laughs> part, right? If there was this completely defined path and it was just a matter of working hard, it would be a lot easier. But with sports, 
you know, not to a complete extent, but to some extent, that's it. You know what you need to do to succeed. Totally. And you'll know if you have the sort of physical gifts to succeed, but you, you also have to put in the work because everybody's working harder than you, right? Totally, totally. There's very clear goalposts, and that's a good thing. I think that's good. I think that's good for people to have clear goalposts. So, so anyways, basically, I started my own practice after law school, about a year after law school. Um, so for those of you, uh, there's a there's a term for that in the legal world, which is called hanging your own shingle. Yeah, which means very a, good. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people will go from larger firms where there might be, I mean, they might just be in a giant fucking firm, yeah. and they go out and uh, I mean, literally hang your own shingle, advertising your own services, and that yeah. was one, that was one of the, the the decisions and sort of life points of yours that I was most proud of you for because it well, takes you. an immense amount of courage. It's vulnerable. It's lonely. I got a lot of help from you, big man. Uh, I, I mean, that. dude, you want you know. Hayden was like, hey, you're, you're going to need a URL. I'm like, I don't need a web. Oh, I do need a website. How do I get that, Hayden? <laughs> Hayden, help me. Hayden, help me. <laughs> you just help me with all that I stuff. I was more than happy to. And so like, that's one of those things where I just, I love that atmosphere. Um, and that's what I loved about being in sports. You talk about work hard. I loved being in the cage with guys when they're working on their swings five hours before a game, when they're working on drills five hours, three hours before a game. I love that part of stuff. Um, and I still do. And so like it's I was a cage rat. I was a gym rat. So it's like I like that getting in the weeds and in business and life. It's the same shit, man. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not going to get in the weeds and get a little dirt under your what nails. What are you doing? Good luck. What I mean, I'm, I'm a good luck. Really, honestly, good luck. You got to get dirty every once in a while. Yeah. And so that's why for me, I was like, all right, I'm going to start this practice. I'm going to go after entrepreneurs, creatives, try to help them out um, at a good price and like see if I can build you know, a practice here. Build a book of business. And yeah. one, one of the things that, uh, that I was really, that I really admired about your sort of approach and understanding of it was that you don't build a practice with great clients overnight. Mm. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I could sense and I, and I, and I recognized it cause it's something that I've been through personally, which is just the, at the very beginning, it is really hard. It's really lonely. There's probably going to be some pretty lean time. So you're going to have to say no to some opportunities. There's just going to be things cause you're running on a really tight budget. You don't have the comfort of a W2 salary yeah. to sort of, yeah. I mean, just make it, make it really easy. And, uh, one of the things that I remember you said toward the end of your first year to me, uh, I said, how's it going? And you said, let me put it this way. I had a lot of great meetings this year. <laughs> and uh, It's like the most L.A. thing I've heard <laughs> to say. And, and, and I could read between the lines of what that meant. But at the same time, I have to commend you for understanding that there's, that there's a process involved yeah. and you're not going to be able to sort of get, communicate effectively enough with a potential client or somebody or download enough information, but you can make a really positive first impression. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those meetings ultimately somewhere down the line circled back to you that led to business or it led to a referral that, that yeah. led to business. And that was a testament to you making sure that you were first front of mind as well. And also going out of your way to show initiative, initiate contact, show up on time. Shout out to Robbie. He showed up 10 minutes before, uh, 10 minutes before Brilliant. we even recorded. Woo. Winning so, guests so far. So yeah, Woo. he's doing a great job. And uh, and I was really impressed and, and admired that. So one of the things that I'm curious about is when you were just getting started, um, what was your attack plan? So you're going back to you're going back to day one, and then you're looking at your list of personal contacts, and you've and you're also probably aware of people that are one degree removed from your personal contacts. How did you approach or target? How did you how did you go about sort of churn, I mean, fighting to fighting to get your first footholds? Well, I'll say I got I think a a lot of people say they got real lucky and I got real lucky. I got a close friend of mine from high school who'd always wanted to make day. I met him. 
I want to make a movie. He got some funding to make a movie. Independent film. Hey, we got an entertainment attorney quoted as this. Can you do it for a fraction of that? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I Googled everything I needed to do. Good for you. <laughs> I knew a good amount of it, but to do it right, I Googled everything I needed yeah. to do. And then I did it. And that was that was some seed money. Um, and so what did I do? How did I target? Man, I think like the biggest thing for me was I felt like I had to pick the right battles. And then I was just continuing relationships. It's all about people. Um, and I also, I got a lot of feedback. That's something that I think, and this for me personally, um, and I keep going back to this because it's a big part, was a big part of my life, but scouting and sports, the highest, the, mo- the highest performers I saw, they wanted feedback. They loved feedback and they could differentiate between um, criticism and feedback. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. I what's, think. what's the difference to you? Um, objectivity. Okay. I think there's emotion and ego tied to criticism. You know, when your dad or mom or brother says something and you get defensive about it, you take it as critical. That's, it's a, it's a you thing. That's a, your problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's just feedback. Mm-hmm. So if you can make it objective and take your ego out of it, it's just good feedback. So for anyways, the beginning of my practice, I got lucky. I got some seed money. I felt like I had a decent network. I mean, people like Hayden, you know, one of my close friends now, like lives across the hall from me starting a business. That's cool. Let's see if I can build that relationship. But I look for feedback, man. I mean, from everything from building a website. I mean, first part of my website, I put graphic designer on it because I did. I don't know anything about graphic design. But I made one book that my girlfriend will tell me all the time was gross. She almost broke up with me over it. Which is hilarious. Are we ready to tell us about that? As far as his graphic design chops, I have to shout him out because he got very good at using PowerPoint (laughs) (laughs) to make make PDFs. I would make like PDFs for like so that my least favorite software. (laughs) Yeah. So that so that the the sports agency I was working for could like build a book and bring in clients. But point being, it wasn't a skill of mine. Like I just put that on there because maybe someone will pay me to do it. And I had so much feedback being like, that's ridiculous. Like, do what you do. Um, and so I just asked for a lot of feedback and I was sucks when you get feedback, it feels like criticism. Most of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's as long as you have to be able to pull your ego out of it yeah. and, and separate that, Hey, this isn't a personal attack. This is objective. And so it comes down to the difference between somebody sharing facts and observations that are mm-hmm. more neutral uh, yeah. versus criticism, which often has a narrative component to it. Yeah. And there's a story behind it. And that's where it can become difficult to separate the signal from the noise because there can be a lot of noise, especially when somebody's communicating they're they might be giving you feedback and it might seem critical and it might be critical, but there might also be nuggets of nuggets of value in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big thing for me. And then the other thing is that like, I think people, I think you got to have a long-term plan. I've always kind of, I mean, maybe that's a luxury of my background, uh, my upbringing being pretty stable and like, you know, having a safety net per se, but it's like, I, I mean, I understand fighting day to day and being stuck in the short term, but like, man, if you don't have a roadmap, if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there, Hmm. you know? And so like, I always had a long-term plan and, uh, I'm, you know, right now where I am, this isn't exactly what I thought it would look like three years ago, but it's pretty damn close. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, like, it's pretty damn close. I mean, the relationships I have, the business experiences I've had, like, I was planning on these things. I wanted to be involved. I wanted to be at these tables. I wanted to be having these discussions and the, I wanted to be involved. And so I guess the ethos for me starting my practice to bring it back was just be involved. Yeah. And so with Hayden, for instance, it was like, dude, Hayden wasn't paying me, you know, but like 
we were talking. I wasn't. About, I wasn't paying me either. Yeah, exactly. So just, just to make that clear. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Fair yeah. point. But like, I would come in and we'd hang out for a couple hours, and we talk business strategy. We talk business structure. We talk relationships. We talk design of the business. We talk like, what is your freaking logo gonna look like? Yeah. All that stuff, and I was just involved. Yeah, you get exposure because you're you're gonna deal with a lot of clients. That was something I was gonna ask you. I guess I'll ask you now. I mean, is that one of the most fun things of having your own practice? Is is getting to build relationships with people from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of ambitions? Um, it's it's sort of a difference between having your own thing and for a lot of people, being an employee is when you're an employee. Generally, the network that you develop professionally is like the people you work with, right? Yeah. yeah. But when you're a, a contractor or, or you deal with different Hired businesses, gun, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's you're really mercenary. fun. It's like kind of the reason we started this podcast is, yeah. is you meet all these people and you develop all these relationships. And it's like, it's something you can't do unless you're out in the world being involved. Like you said, you oh, know? it's totally rad. It's so fun, man. I get such a kick out of it. I mean, like I get to meet so many people. I get to like it. Every day is different. Every day yeah, is freaking yeah. different. Now, I mean, it's difficult. I, I, I eat what I kill and hunt. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, I got to bring in the money. I got to make those relationships, all that stuff. And so there's difficult parts of that. But you said it. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, I get to like, I get to meet a lot of interesting people. I get humbled every day by people that work 10 times harder than me. Yeah. Um, harder backgrounds. They're more creative. They're smarter. It's really fun to be a part of that and see people that like that. Yeah. And there are more currencies than money. Like social oh, currency yeah. is a real thing, and, and that's that's another added benefit, I would say. For sure, it's been yeah. it's yeah. And so just being able to like, I don't know, that's fun, man. I mean, variety is the spice of life, you know. And like, there's homogenous communities in this world, um, in Los Angeles. I mean, we got the riots going on right now. That's kind of. I mean, I grew up in Pasadena. It's a fairly homogenous community. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so getting to see different parts of Los Angeles, getting to help people that are in the South Bay, in the Valley, in OC. It's That's an important point. I, I, I do notice there's there's this sense on the like West Coast, I say, especially in LA, that like segregation is like a middle America thing yeah. and he, over here we're all mixed and interspliced and, and shiny happy people holding hands right <laughs> yeah. but this is a very segregated city big like, time like big time. There, there's very distinct areas and there's a very common knowledge of like yeah. sort of the makeup of a different area and if you've lived in this city you know, if you if you're walking around a certain part of the city, I can tell you who you're going to see for the most part. For right? sure, yeah. And, for and sure. that's a very weird thing that I don't think is dis- discussed too much in Los Angeles. To it's be honest, not. Yeah, I, I would agree well, with that's that. How, that's how Los Angeles is marketed to the rest of the world. Yeah, it's we're, a, we're on the inside yeah. knowing it. So a lot of people, I mean, you you meet people when you're when you're traveling or whenever you're elsewhere. Yeah. And they go, oh, you live in Los Angeles, and then they their, their eyes light up and. They picture it how it is in movies and TV, and yeah. then you go, well, you know, it's probably very similar to where you are, where there's neighborhoods that have different, yeah. different, different construction, different inputs, different yeah. geographical considerations. One area might be on a hill, might be more desirable, might lead to more affluent people living there, and then yeah. another area that might be underneath or next to a main thoroughfare freeway might not be as desirable to live in. And very intentional, just the way the city was built and yeah. the way that home loans were set up. Like that, it, was, that was that was some messed up shit from yeah. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting. It's like uh, I was in the cannabis industry for a little bit, okay. and I, this was very noticeable because oh, man, the shops were broken down by like which country the founders came from. You know, there was like wow. the Armenian shops and the um, Mexican shops, and it was just so like eye opening for me. Mm-hmm. Because again, I grew up on Huntington Beach, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. We're we're pretty homogenous as well. But you know, it's like the thing. The one thing that I is just true and. Um, 
you talked about sports being the ultimate meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, the United States is too. Yeah, I think that's probably the ideal of capitalism. Do you think we're becoming more meritocratic or less meritocratic? Uh, uh, that's a heavy question. I'm not sure if I'm going to touch that right now. <laughs> All right. It's, uh, I actually think it's... I think it's less. I think it's harder than ever to succeed. Yeah. I think it's and, less meritocratic for sure. Fewer and fewer people are in that pocket where they both have the, I guess, like situation where they could succeed. And like in LeBron's case, they have the physical gifts yeah. and the mental like yeah. work ethic, right? Like there's a lot of things you need to succeed. And I think it's harder and harder. Like this generation that's graduating college right now. Oh my gosh. Like, prospects were bleak before Ooh. coronavirus, yeah. right? It's like what, I I, I, I I don't know where it goes from I'm there. kind yeah. of excited in the sense though. There's like a really exciting silver lining for me mm-hmm. because this, the younger generation coming out of college, coming out of high school, like their ability, there's like an entrepreneurial spirit and a know-how and ability to gather that's really interesting. And I mean, social media, how they can use it is impressive. I mean, like, you know, after the school yeah. shootings, you had those, the the kids standing up and, you know, going to Congress and like leading marches. Those are high school kids, man. We weren't doing that in high school. Like people yeah. didn't know, we didn't have a leader in high school that was like talking to government officials. <laughs> yeah, you know I don't remember, I mean? yeah, I don't remember the 16 year old political leader in <laughs> no, my generation. No, so like it's going to be crazy what's happening, what's going to happen. But I tell yeah, you what, I mean Is like, that a product of people growing up faster because of exposure well, I think on so. social media? It's, and everything's getting leveled, man. The yeah. whole world is getting flatter. Mm-hmm. I mean like Hayden and I talk about this all the time. Mostly he brought it up to me, but it's so true is like you want a good education you want a current great relevant education go online yeah it's probably free absolutely i mean that this speaks to one of the shortcomings of traditional education especially in today's world where the internet makes all information immediately available to you at your fingertips and i'll never forget i was in a was my senior year of college and uh and there was a textbook about marketing or something Hmm. like that and by the time they had analyzed it and then the publisher had gotten it and then they rewrote it or whatever, it was, it, had, it was like a, a two years old, a two year old edition or something like that. And it was already out of date. And so that speaks to how quickly our society is able to digest and synthesize information and then make it available. And to your point, there are like, I mean, especially now we're seeing in today's world where people are having Zoom classes with oh, professors. Yeah. And so you might have somebody who's an expert in their, in their, in their field in physics or whatever it is. But they're not an expert at downloading that information into somebody's brain from across the world through a laptop screen because they might not be as technologically adept as somebody else. And that at the same time, there's probably a YouTube creator who has excellent production values, is 75 or 85% as knowledgeable as the professor, but be by virtue of your being able to download and synthesize the information from them, it means that you digest. I mean, you, you just get more benefit out of it as a student. And so I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. The Internet is the great. I mean, I've learned more about my own businesses and running and launching them than I ever did in a classroom in school. I mm. think um, that you just got this made me think of something. But it's the most important thing I learned from law school was nothing in the textbooks. Like not to say that stuff wasn't important. Like it's very important. It was how I, how I, Robbie Master, learned those things in the textbook. Hmm. And I think that's the skill. I think that's the main problem with our educational system. And that's where they just big fucking swing and a miss. Look, yeah. it, it's not about the information you're downloading into people's brains. Some of that is helpful. Some of that is good for them to know. Absolutely. So let's make sure we do the right stuff. They know how to take care of their taxes and 
manage a house and bills, all that stuff. But how the heck do those people learn? Do they have ownership over their own learning and their own education? And I don't, I mean, I didn't get that from, I went to private school my whole life. I didn't get that till I went to law school. Hmm. Um, I was trained to like manage time and stuff, but until I was front confronted with a 2000 page book and it was like, you need to know this in two weeks. I didn't realize, I didn't know how my brain worked. And so I think it would almost, it's a waste of time. Like if I'm going to go online and read all this stuff and forget it, or I don't know how to synthesize it and download it. So I think that's why I think this younger generation is so impressive is because they're intuitively learning that stuff Mm -hmm. because they're making mistakes on their phone and backtracking and figuring out how to do it. They're going online and learning this stuff. So they're inherently learning how they learn. And I think that is the most important skill to seek out and find relevant information. Totally. Learning how to learn. Yeah, Yeah. man, learn how to learn. And I mean, like, I mean, come on, did you come out of high school? Like knowing how to, if you had to study for a test, you're like, all right, well, I'm going to do it. How everyone else does it. Yeah. My process for studying for exam way different than other people but i know that was that's what works for me mm-hmm. and people don't know that i don't think enough people are empowered enough to know how they learn if they can learn you know and i just wish i hope that's something that the internet can provide and people can learn i i, I see that changing rapidly especially as a lot of people were i mean with with the pandemic happening it was really oh, interesting yeah. because it created a a really harsh environment where people that had already paid for an entire semester of their higher level education were suddenly finding themselves going this isn't worth it anymore i'm not yeah. i'm not getting the value i'm not going to a classroom and being around other people i'm not this isn't forcing me to learn how to become a more rounded human and it's not necessarily worth the twenty thousand mm. dollars or the twenty six thousand dollars or whatever joke of a high amount of money it is and so what we're seeing now is a lot of schools are now bending over backwards and basically begging people to enroll and pay for the fall because we're seeing finally there's there's the there's a there's a reckoning happening where yeah. people are rec- people are realizing hey I can get this information as effectively if not better for fucking free yeah for free for I don't free. have to go yeah. in debt I don't have to take on student loans that I can't discharge with a bankruptcy I mean I it's amazing to me how as a society we've stacked the deck against a lot of younger people well the other gatekeeper too is is the uh, the employer yeah and mm-hmm. now I feel like. To, Employers are easing up on that. I mean, look, who used to irrationally require I mean, some three, degree, exactly. bachelor's degree, bachelor's yeah. degree. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm an employer. I have a paralegal. I have yeah. interns. I mean, you guys employ people. And like, I mean, you know what? I'm okay. I, I couldn't give two shits if they have a, if they have a bachelor's no, degree. I mean, they like, do I, the job yeah. and they're solid and they show up every day. It's, it's, it's them. And yeah. so there's this weird arbitrary gating mechanism. Like, yeah, it's a great point. So I'm curious. I want that is yeah, easing ahead. up as the younger generation becomes so. the older generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. There's that sense. Uh, I'm starting to kind of lose faith in that idea, though. There was always this idea growing up that like the problems will be solved because the old people will die and we will become the old people. Yeah. <laughs> right? well, we, hey, we have the same problems, man. We got or we got fruit. It's fruit of the same tree. Yeah. Our and like, problems you know, are they, similar. They would show voting maps and they would show how different the younger generations yeah. would vote from the older generations and it would sort of be like, don't worry, young people, your ideas will win. You <laughs> yeah. know? But then, then as these people grow beautiful. up, they tend to adopt the ideas of the, the same turn, ideas they turn, were fighting yeah, against. Turn more, yeah. con- turn more conservative. They do, yeah. So I'm curious. I want to talk and I want to make sure we... we we sort of carve out enough time to really drop some value bombs on our listeners with regard to starting a business. Okay. And so one of the things that I, that I got great value from while you were in law school and I was working on starting challenger is that we were able to talk about 
a lot of the information and in, in sort of what informs the decisions at the beginning of a business and what the implications of those decisions are. So one of the things I'm curious about is if you could give us or share your take on at the very, at the very simplest, it's how you're going to start a business. And so I know that on the easiest side, if you're a sole proprietor, you, you get to start the business. It's the easiest thing you could possibly do. You get to start the business with a decision. Mm -hmm. You just decide you're going to go into business and it's going to be Hayden Wheatley's tomatoes, and I'm going to sell tomatoes at a farmer's market. And then once you get beyond that, there are benefits and drawbacks to each of the other various entities. Could you walk us through a little bit some of the some of the differences that you see there and what the options are and yeah. sort of what, what people should keep in mind as they're approaching this uh, this decision or how to start a business? For sure. I think uh, I love that, by the way. You can start a business with a decision. It's absolutely true. Um, I think the, the most important thing is you got to, you gotta like I go back to what I was saying, you got to have a little bit of long-term you got to look ahead a little bit. Um, and so you got to determine, I mean, I'll, where do you want to sell? What do you want to sell? All that stuff. I think the big thing is who are your relationships going to be with? Um, so if you're a sole proprietor and you're going to be manufacturing a widget, um, you're going to have to have relationships with your manufacturer, with shipping, with fulfillment, um, with, with marketers, with a, bank. with a bank, all these things. Do you want that to be under Hayden Wheatley's name? Or do you want that to be under a business entity, which is just call it another person? It's basically a third party. It's another person. And so there's certain businesses where, you know, you're selling tomatoes at a farmer's market and you grow them in your yard. Yeah, it's you know, not a lot of exposure. You don't have many relationships. Your only relationship is with uh, whoever puts on the farmer's market. You're maybe paying for your stall or something like that. Totally. So there's not a lot of li liability there, and you have customers. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you know, if you're a business also, so it's relationships one, and then it's amount of money that you want to have involved in the business um, from funding to do you want to have a sale at some point? Do you want to sell this company to an e-commerce company for $10 million and like have a cash out and blah, blah, blah. Ah, that sounds great. Some people don't want that. Um, so you got to be very honest with the kind of business you want to have. So you got to, you got to look at literally just the numbers of relationships you're going to have. If you don't want those relationships on a personal level, you should have a business entity an LLC. That's the easiest thing to set up. It's, it's, you can do it in a day, get an EIN for free, so what, open up a bank account in a week. So let's run through those steps. So say somebody wants an LLC, that's a limited liability company. And what that does is it, it shields you from liability. So let's say if you have an LLC and it's Hayden, Hayden's Tomatoes LLC, mm -hmm. if somebody comes and they say, Hey, I really didn't like your tomatoes. I want my money back. And you go, no, sorry, you already ate the tomatoes. You can't have them. And they're going to go, well, the tomatoes weren't as you advertised. I'm going to sue you. Yeah, that's that's one of the liabilities so, for sure. So what? So an LLC would then give you additional protection because rather than that person being able to come after Hayden Wheatley, my personal assets and yeah. my being personal liable, personally liable, the LLC creates a layer of liability protection so that such that that person, if they ever win a judgment against Hayden Wheatley's Tomatoes LLC, yeah. they could only come after the assets of that company. For sure. They can only, they can't reach into your personal pocket. So that's going to be, that's the main thing. The other thing, I mean, credit is huge. If you want to open up credit as a business, do you want it under your personal name? I mean, if you're Tomatoes, let's say you need your Hayden LLC, Tomato LLC, and you need a new, uh, need a new tractor. Those things are expensive, man. You need a $35,000 tractor. Where do you can put that on your personal credit card? That's not a very good idea. Nope. You're going to want business credit. You're going to want to build up business credit so that you can, and startup costs for if you're making widgets and if you've got an office space or anything, you're going to have big startup costs. You're going to want credit. You're going to want to establish credit. And the easiest way to do that is not on your personal name. Well, it's to do it with an LLC, mm -hmm. which is 
that would I would recommend LLCs to anyone out there listening. That's the easiest business entity to set up. It's and very so, useful. And so then when you decide that you want an LLC, so first and foremost, this is one of the big differentiators between California and other states. And so one of the big arguments about California is that it's not the most business friendly. And one of the main mechanisms that people point at is the cost of actually starting a business. Because when I look at the cost of filing or the minimum tax for an LLC in Wyoming, I think is $50 a year yeah. versus yeah. in California, it's... a year. Before you make a single sale, you owe the government $800. I mean, Delaware, which is very popular, is only $300. Mm -hmm. But you know what I'll I'll say? And like part of that goes into um, the policy behind that. Let's just say the policy behind that. So take out opinion. Um, Is you are, the business is availing itself of the state. You're taking advantage of its roads. You're taking advantage of its electricity you're taking advantage of its people you're getting money from its people and california's i don't know fifth sixth biggest economy in the world right now so it's kind of like hey you want to play in our sandbox well then here's the price of admission yeah here's the price you of gotta admission. pay for the weather yeah, yeah. yeah pretty expensive. much yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much and so, so somebody wants to file an llc that what do they fill out what are the uh, i want to go real quickly what are the nuts and bolts? yeah sure sure yeah uh california secretary state.gov ca i think it's ca.sos.gov Go to file articles of incorporation for an LLC. I believe it's 75 bucks. Um, and then you file that. You're going to put in your name. You're going to put in a business address, name of the business, obviously. Um, registered agent. Which tell, tell us what a registered agent is. Registered agent is an individual or, or an entity that just collects legal mail. So it gets mail from the government, gets mail from your bank if someone wants to sue you. So it's a way for people to also protect their name from being connected with the company. Um, but so a lot of people pay for registered agents. If you're live in the state of your business, you can just do a PO box. Um, so yeah, so you're gonna have to get, you're gonna have to do name of the business address, registered agent, pay a filing fee and that's it. And then you do a statement of information, which tells do that within four weeks. That's 20 bucks. It just tells the state secretary of state, Hey, these are the parties involved. This is the purpose behind the business. Um, most people just put, <laughs> the exact wording is like the purpose of this business is to follow any legal business process. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't even say anything, but it says what it needs to. Yeah. And that's it. Then you got an LLC. Then you file for an EIN, which is basically your business's social security number. It's with the IRS. Um, you can do that for free. You get it in two minutes. Um, do that on irs.gov. I think backslash EIN. Yep, and you can only get one EIN per day, which, yeah. I, thought, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And I, as someone who files those for people, sometimes that's a little <laughs> that annoying. You're yeah, like, yeah. hey, man, I got like six of these to file. Can you just <laughs> please? Get to yours on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, And then you get that EIN, then you go to a bank, and you say, hey, I'd like to open up a business bank account. Mm-hmm. And you take them the articles, articles of incorporation, which is the actual forming document, and then you, from the state, and then you take the EIN, and you should be good to go. That's pretty much. That's pretty much all it's you need. Easy, man. It, folks, it's freaking easy. It's, it's, I like that you describe it so easily because even though you just described it so easily, and I know this process <laughs> and I've seen this process firsthand, it's still so intimidating. It's like, inti- I it's, just don't want to get paperwork. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, the, yeah. The problem is a lot of the pap- that step is so intimidating. The problem yeah. is a lot of the paperwork is clunky, and the websites that you're using to file some of these they're built in 1997 or something like yeah. that. And there, there's, there's. I mean, it there's, just there's, feels like you're signing up to get caught for something. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's a great. That's a great call. And there's a and there's a lot of pitfalls. One of the things that I like 
like to keep in mind is that if you're looking at forming a, a legit business, and so one thing that I thought was interesting is you mentioned the registered agent, and that's yeah. one of the big differences between a sole proprietorship and when you form yeah. either an LLC or a corporation. And so what that means is when you're signing up to form an LLC and you want that added layer of legitimacy and also protection, there are additional asks of you. And one of the things is that there has to be a mechanism for somebody to get in touch with you if they need to. And so what that means is if I'm selling my tomatoes and I suddenly decide to stop that business, it might be really hard for somebody that wants to get in touch with me to get in touch with me. But if I decide to put on my big boy business pants, form an LLC, and then somebody wants to get in touch with me or they're, I mean, I'm playing in a much bigger ballpark, it, it becomes important for there to be a mechanism for process to be served for yeah. somebody to get in touch with me. Absolutely. So I think that's an interesting thing. One thing that you mentioned, uh, or it makes me think of sort of if I'm picturing all of the layers of compliance when I form a legit business, you want to look city, county, state, federal. Yeah. And so in Los Angeles, for instance, you need a city of Los Angeles business tax. Yep. And so that means... Basically, just let the city know, hey, I'm doing business here. And then they'll go, all right, cool. If you're making, if your business does less than $100,000 in revenue, you don't have to pay any tax. No worries. No tax, but you got to file this so we can know what's going on and eventually we can get our money. And then the next one is the county level. And at that point, you file a what's called a doing business as, which is basically letting the county know, hey, I'm not selling tomatoes as Hayden Wheatley's tomatoes. I'm selling tomatoes as tomato tomato land yeah, LLC yeah. or something like that so that they can then tie it back at the state level. That's the articles of articles of organization where you form the LLC. Yeah. And then at the federal level, it's the taxes. So you got to, yeah. so you got to deal with the IRS. Fortunately, an EIN number is remarkably easy. They're free. I see it's a lot. So easy. I see a lot of entrepreneurs get caught up on that and they go, Oh, well I'm waiting till I have sales to, to get my EIN. And I go, no, 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 it's free. It takes five minutes. There's no obligation. There's no ongoing filing commitments. You just get it once. And then you have it and you need it for a lot of stuff because as you're signing up for a Shopify website, you don't want to put your personal social security number on the back and you want to yeah. put the business because it's the business that's receiving well, that's the money. No, that's a great point. The personal secu- the uh, personal social security. So that's another big thing with having a business entity, LLC, and or being a sole proprietor. So I'm a sole proprietor personally, but I don't use my freaking personal social security number. Like absolutely, I have, I have an EIN. Um, and that EIN is the the social security number of RM Legal Studio. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving people out my personal one, and that's I think that's a, a big thing for freelancers, um, independent con, ind- just call them independent contractors, which can be anyone. That could be from a designer to a plumber Uber to a dri- lawyer, Uber, Uber driver. driver. Uber Uber will fight tooth and nail to tell you that their drivers are independent yeah, contractors. Exactly. <laughs> that's a long discussion. <laughs> that, then you're gonna lose that one. Yeah. But so having is having that EIN is really important, and I think to your point, uh, Pat, um, about the intimidation factor of it. Like, yeah, paperwork sucks. I mean, I do a lot of paperwork. It's not my favorite thing in the world to do. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but the reality is, is well, the first reality is the government wants its taxes. So it's just you don't want to die on that hill because you're gonna get gunned down. The government, death and taxes. The government, the, the government is coming for their money. Are you saying that you paint. can't fight City Hall? <laughs> Me personally, no. Nobody can fight City no Hall. No way. And then secondly, though, is like, dude, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I mean, like, paperwork can be fixed. Mm-hmm. It may take three weeks for them to file it, but like, they if there's a comma in the wrong spot, they'll change it. And so I think a lot of people get intimidated. Like you said, like, am I signing myself up for you know to get sued or like to get in trouble? It's like, well, no. You're just letting them know you're doing your work. And also, by the way, you can fix this stuff on the back end. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, 
you know, I'm not proud of it, but I've made improper filings before on behalf of clients and I apologize and I say, hey, it's going to be another two weeks. We fixed it. If there's a cost, I'll cover the cost, whatever. And all everything works out fine. Mm-hmm. And so I think a big part of it is that it's the gatekeepers of the legal community and world and suits to call it is where it's like, well, I don't know, you're going to need an attorney to do this for you because <laughs> yeah. it's really, it's like, no, if you just read the instructions on the document and, ha- and have, you can do it and, ha- and yeah. have the, and have the courage to mess it up too. I was, fi- yeah. I, yeah. I, f- I filed for my first LLC cause I was, I could, I couldn't even rub two nickels together. I was so fucking broke. And, uh, I can, I can back that up. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was, yep. I was there for a little there was bit. A lo- there was a lot of home cooked meals during that time. And Rob, uh, you got any beef? This week? <laughs> yeah. Did you eat all those cup of noodles yesterday? If you don't finish that, let me know. Did your mom <laughs> drop off more meatloaf? Can I have <laughs> oh, some of that? Yeah, that happened all the time. Actually. <laughs> that did um, so what was interesting to me is I, I made, I made a mistake the first time I filed my articles of organization. I, it said, what's the name or who's, who's the, who's the owner of the name? And I thought it was me, but it turns out on that paperwork where they didn't make it clear at all on this fucking document, apparently the business is the owner of the name or something along those lines. Secretary of State's office kicked it back to me. I got a redlined letter, sent it back in. It cost me three weeks, but it wasn't the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. And you can fix it. You can adjust it. You can amend it. And if you think about it at the same time, that if I'm approaching this diligently and I'm trying to do my best there are so many other people out there that are doing a shit half-assed job. They're yeah. waiting to get caught. Then they're just doing a piss poor job of organizing their business. So if you come at it intentionally and you spend a couple hours once or you spend an hour a week focusing on paperwork or whatever it is and you do, you're diligent about it and you recognize, hey, this, isn't, this might not be perfect, but it'll get done. That allows you sort of the mental leeway to get there eventually. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think like it just to me that just screams fundamentals. And like uh, I keep going back to sports because I know, but like you, the high performers and anything, musicians, the same thing. They have fundamentals. They lean back. They fall back on their fundamentals. Like I know where the third fret is on the guitar. I know exactly where it is. I could do it with my eyes closed, or I know how to hit that layup. I could do it with my eyes closed. It's those fundamentals, those key moves. And in a business, this is one of them. Your foundation. What is your entity? Who are you paying taxes to? And who? What are your relationships? And I think that's a huge issue with people where they just don't have good fundamentals. And, dude, you're screwed. That's not going to work. I mean, if you're operating for two, three years, I have a client like this, but if you're operating two, three years um, under a certain name, then you want to change it or you have some agreements, but not they're, all, not they're not all the same, then you rewrite it, then you amend it. Those are terrible fundamentals. So then when it comes time to fix all that, it's a mess and it costs way more to bring me in to fix that. And then, two, if you're trying to raise money, nobody wants a piece of that. Because it looks like a mess. It looks like a hornet's nest. Yeah. Where, where, and, yeah. it's, and it's tough because, I mean, when business, and there's this great saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. And uh, one of the problems is, is that if you're trying to be taken seriously by an outside investor or, or a serious partner, and they ask you, there's, there's, there's a couple of inflection points along the way where they say, hey, what's your billing address? Or why don't you send over a W-9 that allows them to know what your EIN number is. And if you send them a W-9 that has your social security number on it, that is a red flag of unprofessionalism. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I, that's, I think you're spot on. And I think it comes back to, I guess for me, it's just the fundamentals and like, Mm -hmm. it's what it's a, an ounce, an ounce of like prevention is worth a pound of cure. I didn't, that. That. I didn't say that very well, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a I'm not quote. that good at this podcast. <laughs> it's a Robbie quote. Hey, you're yeah. killing it. You're doing, yeah. you're doing great so far. I'm actually yeah. famous amongst my friends for messing up movie quotes. Oh, really? <laughs> like, Tell the, us one. Um, 
Are you not being entertained? Uh, <laughs> Just from Gladiator. It's are you not entertained? It's yep. really, it's three words. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, Ravi. It's yeah. three words. That's amazing. All right. And then I'm curious. So once you get past the uh, sort of the foundational stage of the business, you start getting into, so let's say you've formed your entity, you fought your way into getting a bank account set up, you've got a website and you start getting some sales. What are some second and third order considerations that you want to think about to protect yourself or good business practices that you see among your clients, whether it's accounting practices or protecting intellectual property, good best practices with contracts and agreements, things you should think about. So let's start with those three and then I've got a couple more I'm curious about. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, So I think on the brand perspective, um, I mean, trademark's a great thing to do. It really is. And it's, it's it's 225 bucks to file with the USPTO. It takes about six months. Um, You can get through that on your own. Bringing an attorney is helpful because that is a, that is a terrible system. Having yeah, having done both of those, yeah. I, I got my I got my first trademark for Challenger by myself, banging my head against the wall on that. When I'm talking about websites built in 1997, USPTO.gov oh, was man. like Internet 1.0. Yeah. Um, so that one's really really tough to navigate. So if there is an opportunity to leverage yeah. somebody who has just the, the, they know the secret handshakes to get through that website, yeah, totally. it makes it yeah. a lot easier. So yeah, the trademark, but, but tra- trademark trademarks, process. I mean, I, so IP, intellectual property, trademark, copyright, trade secrets, uh, patents, those are going to be your big ones. Um, it's, I think a, to protect your brand, you're going to have protection. Once you just start using the brand, there's common law protections. When you register, that gives you, that gives you bite to the bark. So you can send someone a cease and desist. So I can send tomato land and be like, Hey, I'm using that name. I have the USPTO filing trademark number 88974443. Oh, shoot. Okay. Somebody should look up that trademark. Yeah, number that's, that's, that's true. That's pretty solid. Um, I think that's for Hayden's Tomatoes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, no, it's tomato, tomato Land. Tomato, tomato Land. Tomato land. <laughs> Come on. But anyway, so it gives you bite to the bark so that you can sue someone, get damages. Because the whole idea of, of trademark is so that uh, you, you spent time, Hayden's Tomato Land, to build up goodwill with that name. And consumers got to know you. So the the government's trying to protect against tarnishing your brand and then other people uh, piggybacking off your goodwill and stealing money that otherwise would have been in your pocket. Mm -hmm. So if you register, then you can go after that money that people potentially took from you, from your brand. If you don't register, then all you really got is just, hey, please don't do this. Um, Don't be a dick. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And you can send a scathing attorney letter and go, but it's not going to go very far. It'll just go back and forth. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so that would be a big one. Um, that's the best way to protect your brand. Copyright. I mean, if you're making creative content, um, I would. You, there's a copyright the second you put it into any form. So you draw a picture on your napkin. That's copyright. Uh, this is you guys are putting this right now. Recording. This is copyright. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. it is because you guys are putting it into a into a mixer mm-hmm. and you're recording it. Um, so if you can just be proactive, a business can just be proactive and just aware of the things that they create and the things that they want to hold near to them. Um, and so trade secrets, for instance, if you have a customer list of, I don't know, 50 people, 5,000 people, it doesn't matter. That's a trade secret. And so don't be giving that out to people. And then the government and the, you know, our judicial system will recognize that as a trade secret. And should someone come in and steal that at some point because you don't have an NDA, um, then you can go after them and be like, hey, that was a trade secret. I intended to keep that as a secret. It's my customer list. I make money off of this. I didn't share this with you um, and you stole it from me. There's going to be there's gonna be recourse for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so next thing after IP would be, I would say, agreements, contracts. Yep. 
Um, so let's start with an NDA because that's something that as so it's an interesting gating or fork in the road where yeah. as you're as you're considering approaching somebody, whether it's an investor or a confidant or a potential client or customer, there's a decision that you need to make whether or not it's worth the there's this micro perceptual hit to the relationship when, yeah, you, when yeah. you slide a non-disclosure agreement in front of somebody, which basically says whatever we talk about or whatever this agreement covers scope wise you are bound by it and you are not legally allowed to share it with, yeah. out, with outside people. And there's damage where sometimes people go, what don't you trust me? But at the same time, if you're being diligent and you're being prudent and you're looking at, hey, not all of the best outcomes, but you're looking and being aware of wor- potential worst case scenarios, you get, sometimes you have to put your foot down and protect yourself with an NDA. You do. I think you 100% do. And you know, it's funny, like you mentioned that, like the emotional hit or the relationship hit. Like in my experience, no, nowhere is that more... Um, uh, relevant or nowhere is that more like experienced than in the music industry. Hmm. Oh my gosh. Super sensitive. People want to be chill. They want to do. We're in the yeah. studio. Yeah, we're, art, like, we're, not, yeah, we're, we're in the studio. We'll figure yeah. all that out later. Like, there's, there's good vibes in the studio. Yeah. We're not going to do any of this. Like we'll talk about it later. All this. It's like, no, no, and yet that's no. where people, you get the email two weeks later. Oh. Yo, I want 14 points on that. Cause I suggested that note. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so hard. It's hard. That, those are, those are those days for me when I'm like, man, this is just so easily avoidable. Yeah. Like so easily avoidable. Ounce of prevention. And now, yeah, and now you're just spending months and weeks on trying to fix yeah. this. He said, she said, it's like, ah, you can get out in front of that. Yeah. And so I think a good business, good uh, savvy, just a savvy business person um, in any regards, with those relationship things where you go, oh, this may take a hit, I think you got to put that aside. You got to be like, look, and I think you really got to separate, um, you got to separate your personal career from your personal life. Those are very different things, in my, at least for me in my life. And I think some people, and as an artist, that's really hard because you're creating and so much of that is who you are and your experience. So it's hard to have, you know, Robbie Master and then Robbie Master Artist LLC as an example. So it's hard for them to look at. But I really try to encourage people to look at it like that. We're like, look, your business is different than you. It's a separate entity. It has its own social security number, hopefully. Um, it better have its own social yeah, security number. EIN. That's EIN. What, it yeah. has its own bank account, hopefully. It's a different person. Treat it like a different person. It's not you personally. So that different person, like you're damn right. You want to protect its information. Like You're damn right. If someone's going to come in and do graphic design work for you, you don't want them to own everything else that you already have done. Um, or if you have a, or if you have somebody coming in doing accounting for you. Absolutely. You don't, you don't want them to... You don't want to, you don't want them to have... Somebody in their in their life who yeah. is looking for your supplier. And well, what, that yeah, you to be guys, somebody that you fought super hard to find, and you have a deep relationship with your supplier. They could disclose yeah. potentially, and that might still happen in the real world. And there's only there's the in theory and in practice. In theory, somebody who signs an NDA isn't allowed to say anything. Yeah. But in practice, this all unpacks to. And one of the things I want to get to before we wrap up is exploring worst case scenarios because one of the things that people often don't so you, you picture yeah, I want to hear these stories so, so you so you picture a worst case scenario um, and so it comes down to enforceability is a big piece it's for sure and so what that means is if somebody is I mean if you if you enter into an, an agreement with somebody or somebody sends a cease and desist what's the end case of this because a lot of people picture oh it's going to be like I'm in law and order and I've got a judge banging a gavel and yeah life bum, bum. life no. yeah <laughs> dun 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 so, so I, used to, I used to know how to do that noise on the guitar oh, the law nice, and order one I nice. figured it out one night and I was like 
I got it. I'm going to be a rock star. You were probably one note off. Like <laughs> yeah. really close. It's only like two notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck you. <laughs> you made it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> NBC. <laughs> yep. And so, uh, and so what's interesting and I'm curious cause you've seen a little bit of this once the, so when disagreements and things get a little bit further down and push comes to shove a little bit more, is it that bad? Is it that intimidating? What's the process of actually suing somebody being in a lawsuit with somebody? Yeah. What are, what are the real world implications and sort of the down river? Cause a lot of people want to, they, they, they're hoping for the best, but yeah. they don't know what to prepare for when they're considering the worst. Yeah. I would say, whew. Um, the biggest thing is that lawsuits take a long time. They're expensive, mm. expensive, and they take a long time and you want to avoid those folks and having agreements helps having good relationships helps Trust, treating, trusting the people, trusting your gut, trusting your gut, treating people well helps all of these things. But sometimes people just want to be dicks. Um, and so they're going to go after you. So lawsuits, I mean, it's going to take 18 to 36 months. It would be a just is, a, is that because the court system is so backed up, or is that just the the nature discovery the, nat- the nature of the steps along the way? Nature of the steps along the way. So, so what, are, uh, what are the steps along the way? So what's going to happen? Someone's going to file. Someone's going to send you a document. Uh, it could start with a cease and dis- actually, I'll, I'll use a, a use case. I it ended with um, me trying to hunt down uh, <laughs> hunt down a business owner in, in uh, somewhere Asheville, Oregon. So you, you're a bounty hunter hobbyist. Well, yeah. you'd be surprised, man. Attorneys, especially like sole propri- small boutique and boutique ones, like they have relationships with private detectives and, and you got to know that stuff. You got to be able mm. to find people. Um, cause there's a, I guess to start at the end real quick. So there's a big difference between getting a judgment and getting paid big different. Like your judge can bang the gavel and say, all right, Hayden, you owe me $2 million for that, uh, for that trademark that you use that's mine. But then me, I got to figure out how to get paid. I got to put a lien on your property, all that stuff. So the case that I'm talking about was it was happening, happened in LA, um, company, uh, someone else used their trademark and they got a summary judgment for $2 million, meaning the other party didn't even show up and they just got $2 million. That's a great judgment for Mm -hmm. someone who maybe made a couple hundred thousand dollars off their name. But that person that got the judgment against them, they, they dissolved all their companies the next day. And then I have to go down, hunt them down, talk to the state in Oregon, talk to PIs, all these people. Do they have assets we can go after? Guys, it's almost a decade later and no one's been paid. And so that is kind of a use case for a lot of companies and kind of for LLCs, it's useful to have an LLC because you can yeah. be judgment proof a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're reading between the lines there, um, but that's a big thing. So there's having a lawsuit and getting that judgment against you then there's actually getting the payment different ball game, different ball game. So yeah. the, the lawsuit part of it is, Hey, we're going to send you a letter. We filed something in the, we're going to send you a cease and desist. You didn't stop. We went back and forth. We're mad at you or, or just didn't get a reply or just didn't get desist. a reply. Yeah. yeah. Ignored it or didn't see yeah. it. We're going to file, we're going to file a document in the courts of our County. Um, then you're going to get a summons. You're going to get service and be, Hey, lawsuit was filed against you. This is why, um, you're going to bring on an attorney most likely, and then there's going to be discovery, which is where both parties basically just lift up their skirt in regards to the the you know issue at hand. Hmm. Um, and they're so show me those emails, show me those text messages, show me those documents you have, show me those recordings you have. And that takes a long freaking time, and is also can be very expensive. And is that is the sword that uh, wealthy comp- wealthy companies yield 
against smaller ones. They just bury them. They bury them. So what is it? And so, does that mean, so does that mean like you, you've got discovery due or and then they send over uh, two pallets full, uh, like they send over 10,000 10, sheets of paper and they bury you in a whole bunch of bullshit that isn't relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Well or, they as, say, or they say, Hayden, you started Challenger Hair Care, what, three years ago? But we have evidence that actually you've been doing it since 2014. We'd like all the documents relating to it going back to 2014. And we'd like them in hard copy and on a CD um, and on a, file, a flash drive, please. And so then, and you, you got to figure that out. you got to get all that stuff. You go on a mission quest trying to find wow. all this information. Yeah, wow. and it goes back. That can go back and forth, back and forth, and that's where it gets really expensive. To where it just becomes a war of attrition, where those big companies are able. To, I mean, you know, they have you know expensive lawyers. They know they have good who those lawyers have good relationships with judges, which is a very real part of our judicial system. Hmm. Um, is those relationships, um, and they just know how to play that game. And these small companies are like, oh, I. Can't. What am I going to pay forty thousand dollars in legal fees this year? Like yeah, I netted yeah. fifty thousand. Like how yeah. the hell is that going to work? Yeah. Um, and wow. so that's that's really what it is. And this is, goes back to the ounce of prevention. Like you can avoid a lot of this stuff, man. With just like good agreements, uh, and then having good relationships with people and treating people well, you can really avoid a lot of this stuff. And lawsuits, generally, from my experience, I mean, I've been involved in some shareholder disputes. Those things can get emotional and contentious, and so. My advice is always is you got to be a little cold and you got to separate. Like I said, you got to separate that personal life from the business life and really view that business as its own. You're being hired by the business to run it. Mm -hmm. It's not your, it's not you. So, you know, if you're hiring someone to run your business, man, you want them to be shrewd and like save money and have good relationships, treat people well, but like be cold and calculated. You know, if you're highly emotional and you bring people in, then you don't like them, then you yell at them, then that's hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. It worked for Steve Jobs, but a little bit different use case. Mm -hmm. I mean, he'd already done it. He'd already, yeah. you know, built these products. And, and his reputation is still to this day that he was not a, good. That he was a dick. Yeah, it's not even good. His gar even his gardener was like, yeah, that guy was a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not good. And so, like, I think people, you can avoid that stuff. People can avoid that stuff. And so, yeah, I think that's really the, the biggest downriver thing with lawsuits is they take a while. They're expensive. If you're the little guy, you can get pushed around big time. And that collecting is really a step that people forget about. They, they yeah. think as soon as, the, as soon as the gavel comes down and they've got... Not the truth. They've got the judgment yeah. that that's the same as having money and a, ch a check that's clear. No. In the bank. And let me tell you, getting a lien on someone's property Probably a or, pain or garnishing end. someone's wages, it's not that easy. <laughs> it doesn't There's happen overnight. There's a great anecdote. It's not in recent history in my mind enough to tell the whole story here, but it's the story of the URLsex.com. Okay. It's, it's the exact thing that you're saying is somebody got it, like it ran out and somebody picked it up in uh -huh. like a minute. And the guy that originally held it eventually won the lawsuit, and the guy owed him like basically all the earnings, millions and millions and millions of yeah. dollars. And he just said, "It's my life's mission not to pay you." And he moved to Mexico, and he made it his life's mission not yeah, to pay the there guy. There you go. He said, "You can do whatever you want. You can come after me. I'm not going to pay you. I'm not going to pay you a penny." Yeah. So <laughs> I tell you what, man. This this case I was talking about, and it's uh, and that led me up to Oregon. Is this this guy? I believe is a guy. He has three different names. Two, well, three, one, two of them are aliases, I guess, or maybe all three are aliases. Um, and they ran companies out of peel boxes off the like in like a really crappy strip mall in Oregon. Um, and they were all based around like hair, cosmetics, wigs, goods like that. And they just changed like they the website they got sued for. They added an S to it. 
mm-hmm. a month later, and now it's a different business. And they cl- they dissolved that business that was sued, and now they have a different one with an S in it. And then it's all connected through um, LLCs that are set up in Las Vegas that are then connected. And so there's you kind of go down this rabbit hole, and you got to untether all that stuff. And it's kind of interesting. It gets like a little conspiracy, but that's the depths that people go to to not pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that that's part that's part of their ounce of prevention, right? Hundred percent. Especially if they know they're so doing read so- between the lines. Especially <laughs> if they know they're doing something nefarious. So I'm curious then when it comes to contracts. Mm-hmm. So I, I recall you're outlining this for me one time when when you were in law school, saying here's the nuts and bolts of high level. It's the who, it's the when, it's the what, and the walk yeah. walk me through sort of the nuts and bolts. Well, the thing you learn the 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 thing you learn in law school, the base of a contract is offer acceptance consideration cool you don't have a contract unless you have those three things does not exist so offer someone needs to say not in these exact words but it needs to be very clear not ex- i mean there are some implicit that's in the weeds but let's just call it there needs to be an explicit hayden i offer you this moleskin for no- two notebook yeah notebook for two dollars and then you have to very clearly say I accept this notebook for $2 for $2. Now saying that can be handing me $2 and, but so offer acceptance and then consideration. Consideration means there needs to be something. There needs to be an exchange. So I can't buy a yacht from you for $0. That's not a, that's not a fair contract. There's no mm-hmm. consideration there. Um, so basically there needs to be something traded and value bartered for whatever, like any, any market would work. So in that regards, offer acceptance, consideration, um, what do you need in the actual contract? Oh, man. I mean, who's doing it? What's going to happen? How's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And yeah. That's pretty much it. It's pretty basic, man. And you just got to set that stuff up. Um, you got to make sure it's clear, too. And there's and there's nuancy differences. One of the big, one of the big uh, sort of semantic differences, which means big differences in words. They're two different words, and they're used interchangeably. Oftentimes, but they mean materially different things is may do something and shall do something. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Many a lawsuit yeah. have been started over yeah. may, may versus shall. Yeah. Misplaced commas and, or the, you know, but the main thing is guys, uh, and I guess I'm just speaking to a listener here cause you, well, you too, you guys too, but like it's about setting expectations. That's all a contract clarity. does. You want to see clarity up front. Yeah. And like it, ambiguity may feel like a, a good thing for you, but ambiguity in the contract it, it it ain't gonna work. Well, <laughs> like mean, that's what? like ambiguity in a relationship. Like, look, are we are we dating each other or are we not? Are we open or are we exclusive? And if it's just up in the air and you're playing it cool and like playing it by ear, in a business sense, that's not gonna work. That's a recipe for hurt, yeah. hurt feelings and mm-hmm. misaligned expectations. That's yeah, what, that's, so that's you, really what it comes you down gotta to. Gotta set expectations, be clear about them. Otherwise, I mean, the whole point of a contract is to have an enforceable relationship. You know, I mean, look, that's more or less. That's a big part of what the government does. They, you know, they protect us. They make sure we have, there's police force. They take taxes from us and they enforce our contracts. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah, it. That's true. And then, uh, so I'm curious, this is a total aside. Have you, uh, so if I or somebody am interested in hiring somebody into my business, um, what are the due diligence steps and have you ever run a background check on somebody? Oh, interesting question. I personally have not actually. Um, I've reached out to someone to do it on my behalf, but I personally have not. Um, I think that's a good idea. I I, I've, <laughs> I have a story there. I know a, a, bu- yeah, a buddy of mine inside of his company. They needed a, they needed to hire. I think it was an accountant or something like that. And so uh, 
And so they had this guy come in. It seemed like he was qualified and he knew everything he was doing. And so, uh, and so they extended an offer to him and he accepted it. And his start date was like, I don't know, a week later or something like that. And they went, should we, we should, you know, probably run a background check on this guy or something now that we like have his information. Just, just in time. <laughs> just, just cause. Yeah. And so the dude starts and on his second day, they get back the results of his, uh, of his, uh, of his background check. Bezzled a million dollars. <laughs> Turns out that, uh, that he had been released from prison on his third DUI charge Damn. about two or three weeks. Off the sauce. Bro. Two or three weeks before he applied. Oh jeez! And so yeah, that's this was like, and so when they were like, "Hey, where's this gap in your uh, gap in your uh, gap in your resume?" And he was like, "Oh, you know, I was taking some time off and finding myself and blah blah blah." And I was like, "Forced time <laughs> yeah, off in, more than yeah, anything yeah. in a jail cell." In a he jail. did ask us about office happy hours a lot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, he's very curious. And so they ultimately wound up having they they ultimately wound up deciding to let that guy go because it was a huge liability. It was to the point where I think his license had been suspended a couple of times, and it was just it was. And a huge liability and so i wasn't sure if that was something you've come across i know that as as people's businesses get not more, at get, that extent get, get more mature yeah that was some, that was some crazy shit not, that, a, that, not that, at that extent but i've definitely had i mean there's a lot of business which is great i love this i love small business and like helping other small businesses but there's a lot of business getting done whether it's like hey i'm gonna bring on this uh web designer that's a buddy of mine um guys you want to have an agreement there like I don't know, I don't care how well you, you know want, that person. He, he, Rob said you want. To yeah, you have, want to. Yes. You yeah, want to yeah, have yeah. an agreement there, and there's situations similar to Hayden's. I mean, but it's like not as extreme sometimes. But it's like I mean, maybe that person has done some really crappy work for someone um, that's gonna come back come back to them. Maybe their name doesn't mean or maybe, in the business world yeah. what it, you think it means. Or maybe they're gonna steal. Or maybe they're they they've been shown to steal somebody else's intellectual property for, sure. for past clients, and they're gonna run the same playbook on yeah. yours. And you went to high school with this person, and you trust this person, but like the reality is, like people grow up, they turn into different people. For sure. I mean, and you adults. know what? At the end of the day, everyone's trying to figure out their own way to pay bills. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's number one. Everyone's looking out for themselves at some level. So I can't begrudge that, but it's like you got to protect yourself. And this is something my mom tells me. She goes, you're only going to get taken advantage of if you let yourself. Mm-hmm. They take advantage of everything you let them take advantage of. So they call, yep. they call that in the, uh, in the home protection world, target hardening, which huh. means uh, basically a criminal or somebody who's looking for a house to burgle. They are going to, they're going to look for the one that's the easiest to break into. Well, mm. I would look at businesses the exact same. It's the exact same thing. And so what that means is if you're picturing your business versus you're picturing three houses on a block, you're going to target the one that has overgrown lawn, that has a pile of newspapers in front of it, with no lights on and there's yeah. no cars in the driveway because you can safely assume that there's nobody in there to defend it for sure versus the one that's got nine foot high steel gates a beware of dog and it's yeah. an electrified fence and you can tell that it is a lockdown compound you can see cameras they've got motion sensor lights it changes it and so part of that is making sure you're super buttoned up you don't want to advertise how protected how how well protected you are yeah but it's very it's important to be diligent in protecting yourself and your business. It's called target hardening. Yeah, I mean, mm. I I would see that there's a huge parallel for me in that. And I mean, you, we're talking about contracts right now. I mean, like, absolutely, that's a really really useful thing. I mean, you never know where it's going to come from. If you give someone access to your database, um, whether it's you know your files, you get them into a Google Drive, you, you have no idea what that means. What you're opening up to people. Um, and that's just, I think you should, it, it would behoove people to protect that and harden their business, target, yeah. I guess. Harden themselves. Yeah. 
Phrasing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, We're not doing that in here, guys. Yeah. Before we wrap, you mentioned Cape Cod very early in the yeah. podcast. Oh, damn. That's a callback. I yeah. like Ooh. it. It reminded me of a really funny anecdote. In my first job, it was in an office, and I remember we were sitting around at like lunch, and uh, one of the uh, employees, one of my coworkers, was like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're so excited for the weekend. We're going to visit Cape Cod. And another one of the employees went, ooh, tropical. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no. no. The, somebody Yesterday, somebody asked me what the most embarrassing moment I, I've ever had was. And I was like, I can't think of it, but I know hers. <laughs> and I know that woman, wherever she may be. <laughs> oh, man. that's I've actually never been to Cape Cod. I've heard yeah. it's pretty cool. But yeah, very tropical. These yeah. Times. <laughs> yeah, Dude, I feel like it's getting more tropical in L.A. How so yeah. I feel like it's getting like a little like I've seen more mosquitoes. Oh, I'm seeing more mosquitoes. Do folks. you guys remember when we had the God? What did they call those mosquitoes? They were like Zika. the black tar mosquitoes. Oh, I do you remember that? Yes. I live my I grew up right near the wetlands. Little black ones. Yeah. yeah, and I remember my brother went on vacation and he came back and we were like, okay, Brian, we're not joking. When you get out of the car, run to the door because there's swarms of little black mosquitoes oh everywhere. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's probably exaggerated. And then he gets out of the car and it's like, ow, ow, yeah. ow, run. <laughs> Dude, we had my backyard in uh, Pasadena that I grew up in from like age eight on, I guess. Um, we had a grotto, which was like a great place to party as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had like a little fountain that rarely ran. It was just a like rancid pond. And it was stagnant <laughs> water. Still water. Stagnant <laughs> water. And, and it would just a breeding ground for mosquitoes. Yeah. And so West that's, Nile, that's where Zika came from. Yeah, yeah probably our backyard. backyard. And <laughs> I would zero. just, I remember seeing my dad walking back there some days with a full freaking uh, thing of bleach like a yeah. gallon of bleach and just dunking <laughs> a gallon of bleach into the mosquito water mm-hmm. be like well that might work for a couple days yeah, <laughs> yeah bleach the mosquito water that's how you stay safe yeah exactly yeah, that's the trick so rob i want to make sure that we do an excellent job of giving people access and empowering them with the information to follow up with you um you did a fantastic job filling out uh the information for us to help us have you on as a guest so thank you first and foremost for that sure um if people want to get in touch with you how do they find you tell us a little bit about what if somebody wants to get in touch with rm legal studio what's the best way to do that and what do you have going on right now well the little bit of a flex i feel cool about this just google legal studio I'm like Ooh, the number. Wow. I'm like the number two, the two or third thing that'll come up on the page for above the. the if you just le- Google legal studio, legal studio. Yeah, so I'm pretty proud of that. In one, LA guys. or or throughout the oh, country, I could be no geographic. I don't know. I'm checking this right now. Oh, good question. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's why some uh, lawyers actually I talked to one, and the way he set up his URL structure is he had separate URLs: Los Angeles, and then the name oh, of his thing. Clever. Seattle, and then the name of his thing, because he was it an is SEO right guy. there above the fold. Woo, if you boom. type in legal studio. It but it's right uh, wow. but my, my practice is called RM Legal Studio. Uh, RMLegalStudio.com. Dot com. Nice. And then I'm on Instagram. Uh, archived a bunch of stuff now, but it's coming back. Um, yeah, come check it out. You know, reach out. Um, I mean, my whole mission as a practice is to empower people. And I guess kind of the tagline that I've jumped onto is peace of mind for your pursuit. I think uh, everyone has a pursuit. It could be creative athletic business whatever it is but like it's you know i wanted to help people de-stress um and feel confident in what they're doing undaunted by the legal steps and so that's kind of my goal and so i put out a ebook recently that's i think it's 24 pages only like 12 pages of content um and it's just real easy nine steps to like these are the things you got to take care of so let me let me pump that up for a second because robbie's being humble 
Um, so I took a look at that ebook. It's uh, downloadable. We'll, we'll saw your email today. Yes, <laughs> we will put the link in the show notes um, so that people can access it. You can also access it through rmlegalstudio.com. And what that is is basically you put in your email address and you can download a very well formatted, information rich document that gives you a fantastic baseline. If you're going into the process of starting your first business, things to consider, things to look out for. Here's all the various options too, because sometimes we don't know what we don't know. We don't know all the various types of entities. Rob does a great job of breaking that down. So, and it's fucking free. So if you don't download something that's free, that's, I mean, we can't really help you. So, I I mean, a big, we talked, you know, we talked a lot about it at the beginning of this podcast, education. And that's, I I feel like for me, that's a huge place that I can have an impact. Um, Cause I have, I'm, I don't want to call myself a gatekeeper, but I have access to information. I know information that can help a lot of people. And if I put it in their hands and their brains, that's fantastic. And so uh, where my practice has really transformed a little bit in the last year has been like, you know, obviously finding clients and like finding a way to feed myself. But it's like, I want to educate people and provide that education and empower, have help people empower themselves. Um, thank, and you this for, bo- thank you for being here doing that. Yeah, yeah. And this book is the fir- this book is the first step for me. Um, That's and great. I, I really think that like take a look at it and like there'll be something in there you didn't know. You have questions, give me a call. There's contact information, but like at the very least, it's the beginning of the thread that you can continue to pull on exactly and hopefully build a successful pursuit and whatever that is. And, and, I, and I have to real quickly, I have to give you a very sincere shout out because I I know along the way and I've I've talked to you many times behind the scenes about sort of the trying to distill what information should and shouldn't be included oh, in that, especially mm. when you know so much about the law. It's, it can sometimes, when you've spent so much time thinking about it and in it, sometimes it can be difficult to put on the beginner's, the beginner's hat and yeah, make sure absolutely. that you're presenting stuff that's value-add, maximally impactful without being overwhelmingly abundant. And so I, and, and on top of that... I and mean, you give it away for free. And you give it away for free. <laughs> and on top of that, I mean, it's really difficult sort of shipping something like this and getting it up. So I want to say hats yeah. off to you. I know how difficult that is with, any, with any creative pursuit. So I'm really, 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 really proud Appreciate of you, man. It. And our goal, just really quickly here, is after publishing this episode, pushing it out to our countless thousands, millions of followers. Yeah. Um, I think close to billions Close now, to right? a billion. Close yeah, to yeah. billion. Our goal is within a few weeks, when you Google lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to show up. First Perfect. result, no ad. So yeah, in the, in the meantime, uh, yeah, so this is a Deus Life Pod. You can visit deuslifepod.com. Also visit RM Legal Studio. Thanks again to a good friend of the show, Rob Master. Looking forward to having you on again in the future. And uh, why don't you go ahead and take us out? Yeah, this has been Deus Life, an aspirational podcast, and we'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>